0: gives people such comfort to say this is all just incompetence. Uh, All this stuff with uh, the figurehead and the CDC and now even Gates is coming out and saying once again, well, these injections aren't working. It's just easy for folks. Feels good to say it's incompetence because the alternative is so frightening to people. But I'm telling you, this is not incompetence. (laughs) Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. And with the happenings in Texas, well, it is a moment to remember why we pray, One, also a moment to remember why it used to be a good idea to closely check the backgrounds of people who got to come into the country. Never forget that Barack Obama decided it should be illegal and, and decreed it to be so, to even have the uh, authorities glance at the social media profiles of people who came into the country. That became clear after the San Bernardino shootings. It is so easy and it is very comforting for people to say, as we watch another weekend of truth dribbling out of the mouths of, of people who have spent the last two years lying to us, it is so easy uh, to just say, well, it's incompetence. It's also a very safe place for, uh, well, I mean, there's radio hosts who do this almost habitually to triangulate their way into being in the right position on things. And it's easy for them to say, well, this is, you know, look at how incompetent Tony Fauci is. And that's really a safe thing. Politicians do the same thing. Like, um, you know, I I, I use this because I lived the, the majority of my adult life in Washington state. Jay Inslee is a killer. Now, I don't think he's murdered people with his hands, but he's a killer. And Jay Inslee lies constantly about COVID, and he wants to destroy people. Those are just, that's evident from his behavior. And the Republicans aren't going to say that. And they have the evidence to prove he lies about COVID deaths. I gave it to them. I gave it to their leaders. I gave it to some very good conservative people. They have it. They're not going to use it. Because it's scary to try to get people to cross the bridge over from Jay Inslee is someone with whom we disagree. He's our opponent. He's not. Jay Inslee is an enemy of the people of Washington state. He wants to crush them. That's an example. That's not incompetence. And how do I kind of make that case? Because every single thing Inslee does crushes working people unless they are with the party. Every single thing he does crushes the cities, crushes the criminal justice system. It crushes schools, it crushes school kids, and the data is not even debatable. Everything he does crushes small business and promotes big business, all of it. It's all consistent. None of it is incompetence. He's he's not a smart man, but he's a, he's a brutally mean human being. And the same is true on the federal level. We're not dealing here with incompetence, guys. You know, as we see the truth search dribble out, particularly around the issues of covid um, for instance, Bill Gates saying that oh, all well, the vaccines, uh, well, they're not they're not uh, robust enough, so uh, the, the COVID nineteen might become uh, endemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've been saying that for eighteen months, Bill, because it's been clear for eighteen months that's where it's going to go, because that's where respiratory viruses go, particularly SARS viruses. Um, this one's different, though. It is. I'll give you that, Bill, because it's quite clearly engineered. The spike protein portion of it, pretty clearly engineered, Bill. But still, Gert van den Bosch and others have been saying for for two years, ever since the injections were designed, saying these the, wait, these don't stop infection. This is going to be a leaky vaccine. Everything they have done, all of it, is aligned in one way. It's not incompetence. See, incompetence has the result of chaos. This isn't chaos. It all goes in one way. All of it was designed to make COVID appear worse than it is or ever was to make the so-called mitigation efforts appear to be working, and they never have. They can't because it doesn't work that way. To make the injections appear to be the only option. All of it, all of it was a behavioral kill shoot. All of it. Frightening people, locking down the schools uselessly, etc. Crushing businesses, part of the Great Reset. All of it goes the same direction. Control for them. Your freedom is the problem unless you're mobbed up with the party. Right down to and including the fact that once again, we had another congresswoman, this one, I forget her name, from New York. Used to be a big Clintonista. She gets caught walking in. The owner of a restaurant filmed her walking in without a woke mask in violation of the state's woke mask policies that she prepares or pretends to support. None of this is chaos. What it does create is confusion. And there lies the tactic at play confusion. You'd never want the people you're trying to conquer to have a, a clear sense of things. You know, if you're in a fight, a fist fight, you don't want to, to telegraph your punches. You know, if you're in a wrestling match, in a, a serious wrestling match, and you know the person has studied you, you're going to want to have some new combinations set up. You know, if you're in a business battle with a, a you know, strong opponent, you may want to be surprised, you know, surprised in terms of feature sets or delivery dates, etc. Same is true when you're trying to conquer a society. You want people to be mentally out of it with with fatigue, and confusion. And this is this is what the party wants to do. They 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 want to get us down to the level of feelings in everything. They do not want us to be able to be cognitive. You know, when you have someone a a like an adolescent who is um in a state of uh dysregulated emotional response to something, one of the things you could do on with particular young people is you you use thinking words. You say things like, hey, let's evaluate this. Um, let's, let's step back, evaluate this and analyze if there's something we can do to, to head this off before we see an escalation. I mean, that's a whole big mouthful of words. And they're big, you know, multisyllabic words. And the reason we do that is it, it's, it's keying the brain to get out of an emotional area and into a thinking area. Because when someone's emotionally dysregulated, that's the emotional part of the brain, the fear portion of the brain. If they're dealing with a trauma circumstance and they're having a PTSD incident, um, the the thinking words kind of rock the brain out of the emotional area. The party's doing the opposite. Okay, they are traumatizing with the hope of and the successful application it's working of moving people into an emotional mindset. That's what they're doing because what they want is everything to be moved down to the level of feeling. So if some people feel like cops, white cops go out every day and shoot a black, you know, a a young black man or a black boy every day, that's what they want them to feel. Now that's not true. The data clearly belies that, but so does all the data around the COVID mitigation. All, so does the fact that none of them wear masks in private. So, so, so you can see the, the feelings successfully used in COVID. We could watch the COVID feelings to this day. There are now students in Seattle. I think I mentioned this the other day. Students in Seattle. Well, in Chicago, isn't that interesting? How happenstantial that across the country, students are together striking because they want more COVID safety procedures? Now, let's face it, students like to strike and woke teachers want them to strike because they want these kids to be little, tiny, you know, angry little sex bots. Well, there's more feelings. But those kids that are actually scared have been traumatized. They're operating at the level of feeling. They believe COVID can kill them or gonna, they're going to kill their grandmas. So in some communities, you know, you have, you have people who feel like um, their identity is how they feel. That literally, if you have someone who says, you, you say, hey, tell me about yourself. Well, I'm gay. Well, you never get the question of, well, tell me about yourself. Well, I'm an adulterer. No one ever says that. Uh, or, well, you know, I, I prefer this form of sex with my wife. And people are like, what? Rightly so. But when people have been taught that they are what they feel, that's the ultimate in parking people in feeling state. You are your sexual attraction—that's sort of the ultimate way of getting there—and and with the party, the closer this is to id ego, the better it is. The closer it is to um, the fear-based stuff, fight or flight. That's what they—that's the position they want people in: fight or flight. That gets down to lizard brain stuff. You know, I don't know the last time that you got into a fight mode or a or flight mode where you felt you either had to flee or fight. But those are very strong emotions, and they're hard to get away from. So what they want to do is, is is get us into this confused state so that when they come along and say, hey, we're going to need to control your movement and your purchases and your jobs and your education and your housing, those who've been traumatized say, thank gosh someone's here. Thank gosh someone's going to take control of all this. Now, this is what we've been waiting to see, someone to come and rescue us. The rest of us are saying, no, you're not. What do we have? Fight versus flight people ready to flee from this versus people ready to fight it but it's not helpful in either case because you have two highly emotional societies or two portions of society that are highly emotional that's the party's design and again it's not chaos the all the democrats want to loose the criminals they're using they're moving their mouths to pretend they don't want to do that now because there's an election coming, but right after the election, those that win will go back to doing the same thing because the goal is confusion and upset and emotionalism. And the Bible warns us about this. Of course it does. And people have been robbed of biblical knowledge. So, so, so many people don't know this. This is from Romans 8, 6 through 11. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are in the realm, are not in the realm of flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives, um, gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal, mortal bodies because his spirit lives in you. And it was also the apostle Paul who warned us to not be taken captive by things of the world. Do not allow yourself to be taken captive by things of the world. Right? And there are people who act like uh, the, the, they act like captives. And captives who've fallen in love with their capture. And in our case, people who recognize that folks want to capture us and we're not going to allow it. And this goes from, and I don't like using the language of top and bottom when it relates to people or, or people on the bottom of a scale or top of a scale because we are all equal in the eyes of God. So I don't like that. But I would say, you know, socioeconomically, and I think from a perspective probably of mental health, this guy in New York, um, Winston Glenn who is charged with the murder of a young woman, Kristen Crystal uh, Barron. Uh, Kristen Barron-Neves. She was 19. She's working at a Burger King at night, like close to midnight. This guy used to work there. He walks in. He demands money from the register. She gives him 100 bucks, and then shes uh, he has a gun pointed at her. She's scared, scared. I was going to say scared to death. She's terribly frightened, and she can't get the register open, so he kills her. Shoots her and kills her. She was 19. So he's been captured. This is a hard clip to hear because the sound quality is horrible. But in this clip, let me let me tell you what he's saying here. He's asking, he's, he's been arrested. He's screaming about reparations. The pauses are cutting out the F word. What he's screaming is, where's our blank in reparations for 400 years of slavery? He just killed a young woman who never owned slaves. I don't know that his background has slavery in it. I mean, it might, but many black people do not have that in their backgrounds. Or or, or slavery in America. Sometimes it's slavery in Africa and not in America. And I doubt very much, since the vast majority of, of families have never owned slaves, that that young woman's family has slavery in the background. That's not why he shot her. But you see, this emotionalism, he's been taught and he's been shown by society. If you say reparations now, you can, you can be the hero. In, in defense of the crowd, they weren't buying it. They were all over the guy. But this is emotionalism. He's moved into that state of mind. Now, he's also probably a crafty, perhaps mentally ill criminal, but they pay attention to this stuff, which is why it's so vitally dangerous to have the dictator of the province of Washington saying you should be enraged at the people who have not been injected. That's why it's so dangerous to have the figurehead saying people who do not want ballot harvesting and non-citizens voting in our elections, that they're on the side of Bull Connor, It's dangerous because the party is confusing people into fight or flight. You know, you get guys like Steve Schmidt, this guy who's never won a presidential campaign. And from the looks of his house, he's a he's a a Lincoln Project guy from the looks of this home. And this is, I guess, one of his homes. He's done very well on MSNBC. That raises your profile. You can go out and do a bunch of political consulting. He's also moving people into this emotional state of mind. What Kevin McCarthy has become. Now, just think about this. He's talking about Kevin McCarthy like an arch criminal. Like like Kevin McCarthy, first of all, like Kevin McCarthy's particularly competent. And, and secondly, like he's some, someone to fear. But they, well, remember, Mitt Romney gave a guy cancer. What Kevin McCarthy has become is this villainous figure that is among the most villainous figures that have been in the history of the American Republic. Um, he has played a, a profoundly important role over this last year through the lying, through the cover up of poisoning faith and belief in democracy. And one of the things about Kevin McCarthy, if you watch him operate, is that he's very childlike in that he lives entirely in the moment. He's not thinking about the ramifications for the next conversation based on what he's saying in the current or in the last. He's Blah, blah. And, and what he's doing there is he is now casting this guy as a dangerous, ghoulish, monumentally dangerous little boy. Now, I don't think Kevin McCarthy is anyone to go around pointing the the, the banner of of leader at. He's not, in my judgment, a leader. Uh, he does not understand the stakes, or he's unwilling to play to the stakes. His big announcement is, "Hey, we're going to man, baby. Some tax cuts are coming." You don't see him taking on big pharma. You don't see him taking on Fauci. You don't see him taking on the lies of Bill Gates. You don't you don't see him taking on the fact that our our food supplying land. Or land that's, you know, on which folks grow food is being seized by, not seized, but by purchased by two people. Now the Communist Party of China wants in on this. You don't see any of these things. You don't see him going after the fact that the sexual left and powered by the party is purchasing the rights to drug up kids in multiple ways. He's not going to touch those things because Kevin McCarthy is not as a man who does not understand the stakes or won't play to the stakes. But that's different than he's one of the most monumentally dangerous people in our society. Now, if I go back to Fauci, do you hear me making emotional things about Fauci? I will say, I believe he's in, I believe he's committed, um, I, I, I believe he's negligent homicide, maybe second degree homicide, and I'll defend it. I'll go through on a very thoughtful way why I say that. Because he installed a plan to do this. Invent two, uh, event 201 is what you live through. That's This is the end stages of it because it didn't work the way they wanted it to, but they gained a lot of data. All the steps we've talked about, changing the definition of an infection to this meaningless garbage word case, changing the way deaths are counted, refusing to admit that there's functional, useful therapeutics, pretending masks work, etc. cetera, ad nauseum, all of it in one direction, none of it chaotic. And when they go back on their words, it has a great effect of adding to the, uh, to the to confusion. It looks like chaos, but look at all the ways it works. It's always one direction. And the left does the same thing. Like Donnie Lemon. This is Donnie Lemon who is utterly just befuddled by the notion of 52%. 52% befuddles him because 52% in the mind of Don Lemon equals 2%. It's either that or he's trying to confuse people into thinking, yeah, 2% of the Senate runs the country. So, the president admitting defeat because the GOP won't protect the vote. I mean, this is really, it's mainly about the GOP because you can't, you can't get one or two when it's usually bipartisan. But you can't get one or two even a couple? Nope. The GOP won't protect the vote. Two members of his own party won't Carve out the filibuster to make it happen. This is what you call, I mean, it's fine. It's a minority ruling story. <laughs> 52% is the minority. Got it. Thank you, Donnie Lemon. It's brilliant. Emotionalism. It's useful, useful to move people here, but there's awesome news. And it's not just on the side of people who believe in God Almighty. In fact, this is an opportunity to get people to believe in God Almighty. You know, hey, recently, my friend, Zach Abraham, the chief investment officer, Bulwark Capital Management, hosted a great radio show called Know Your Risk Radio. It really is an awesome program. And Zach's a funny dude. You know, he loves radio. I didn't realize how long he had been in love with radio. I knew he loved Limbaugh because he came to me. First day I was filling in for rushes. Are you nervous? I said, yeah, you are. Yeah. Anyway, so someone asked Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? He didn't hesitate. He said inflation, with all this money printing and still 0% interest rates, inflation will very likely rise. And when inflation rises, bonds get crushed. And and this has been six years of Zach saying basically this when it relates to bonds, he says, if you're still using bonds in the 60-40, the old 60-40 safe mix portion of your portfolio, you may be taking a serious risk with your retirement. He talked about this on our program last week. So if you're concerned about inflation, and and I'm, I'm yeah, pretty deeply concerned, but don't worry, the figurehead will handle it. Ha! <laughs> If you're concerned about inflation with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, Bulwark teaches you about it in their free booklet, Common Sense Investing, and their goal is to protect your portfolio against loss while they seek to grow your assets so just call Zach now for a free copy of Common Sense Investing, 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to KnowYourRiskRadio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management's an investment advisor, representative trick Financial LLC and an SEC registered investment advisor. That's the part that you got to say. And I'm happy to say it. So what the party does is it, it, it just complicates things. And like this over this weekend, there were so many things that came out, particularly about the COVID, where I had to, it's an uncomfortable thing for me to say, because it's a prideful thing. I was right about this and I need to, um, (laughs) I need, (laughs) I'll tell you why I'm laughing here in a second. (laughs) Oh, this is great. I love this so much. This is typical party behavior. Um, so, so the, the thing that the party does in, in making everything seem complicated, um, when, when Gates came out and said that these injections are not as robust as they need to be. So it might be making the, um, this, uh, this disease COVID endemic. Um, I knew I, 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 we've known this for two years and here's, here's the thing. It's common sense. And the party tries so hard to complicate this and they're so successful at it, at complicating this, that they, that, that they, they get people thinking, well, only doctors or scientists can handle this. No. <laughs> it's a cliche. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. What doesn't kill a virus makes it stronger. Stronger. It teaches it. You can you go straight to natural immunity. Go to all these things. The party. They want it all so complicated. We just I just did this thing with Zach. He talks about how they 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 manufacture these you know intense words. Quantitative easing. What does it mean? It means conjuring money from nothing. That's exactly what it means. Inventing money where none exists. The good news is there are people who are beginning to notice this and young people in particular. The reason I was laughing is that there is a a website called the Chicago Thinker. (laughs) This is so fantastic. This is so utterly fantastic that this is happening. So the Chicago Thinker is a, it's a website run by Chicago college students. And they wrote an article. It's an editorial. University of Chicago must end this booster mandate. We are not lab rats. And it is a really well-written piece that I wish I was going to just read it live. I wish I'd copied it because here's what I'm getting from the party. I love this. One chrome link says it's dangerous. The other chrome link says that the uh, it can't be handled right now. The the website can't handle the request. I wonder what the third chrome link will say. I'll link on it again here. Let's see what happens this time. Yeah, it's a your connection is not private. Attackers might be trying to steal your information from the chicagothinker.com. This <laughs> doesn't have an http. It's a it's a news website. This is Google. This is the party trying to make sure people can't read college students saying, don't experiment with us, with our bodies. This is like when Google, when the, 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 um, the thuggish CEO of Pfizer went on TV and said, uh, the uh, first injections offer uh, little, if any, uh, protection from anything. Uh, but they're, man, they, they're really strong smelling. And it was out of context. You think the college students don't notice this? You think the University of Chicago students aren't now saying, "Wait a minute." Wait a minute, you're canceling us? We're college students. We're 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 the educated. You're not going to let us speak? You're going to keep us locked down and you're going to take our editorial and you're not going to let anyone read it anywhere? (laughs) You're going to block it this way? This is the greatest possible time for us to be alive. Because the ability to compare this To godly versus non-godly sits right here. Now, we've gone through before my process of getting people to a God exists in argument and and discernment and discussion. So I don't have time to go back through it. I should do a show, and I think I will. Um, We're putting out a poll coming up on the subscription service on on what's going to be in there for you guys. So we make sure it adds value. One of the things we're thinking about doing is, is... you know, just some some ways to help help people guide them through winning arguments. One of the things I've been asked to do is, say, hey, can you go back through your process of Socratically taking people through getting them to think about the existence of God? And then and then um, not not, you know, uh, polytheism, but a single God and then going through the process of steering them towards the Christian um, God in Christ Jesus. So we may do that, but let's give an example here. If you get people to the place that, okay, they, they they admit there's a God or you get someone who's like, and I do, I know a guy who's in a war in his mind between Satanism and Christianity. I know that sounds really weird. He's been through some pretty serious stuff um, and I won't get into detail. I work with him because I work with people who are, are sometimes in and out of prison, but he is in a legitimate war. And one of the things that I would say to him and the next time we talk, I will, is he likes to express himself. These young people like to express themselves. Which side of the spiritual equation wants you to express yourself? The one that invented speech or the one that didn't invent anything? The one whose book, the Bible, is filled with people criticizing him. Asking him questions, pleading with him. (laughs) Job. Job has this discussion with God. This, it's almost a debate. Moses, when God comes and says, hey, uh, Moses, I'm in the burning bush. And Moses says, here I am. He says, um, I am. i When Jewish people, you know, Hebrews ask who I am. I, I am. Just tell them that I am. And he says, here's what I need you to do. And Moses says, um, no, I can't do it. He's, he's speaking back to God. No, it's, you know, I can't. I'm a bad speaker. And, and in that, you read that, and it's actually really endearing because God... In, in in the Bible, you know, oh look, okay, Moses, look, I'll, I'll have your brother help you. And he doesn't say that I'm the Lord your God, so I will give you in, in it's you know, in God's language, but effectively, look, okay, Moses, fine. I'll we'll have your brother do the speaking, but I need you to be involved. You're the guy I've picked. And then he says, Okay, here I'm Lord, I'm gonna do this. That's God encouraging us to speak with him, to bear our thoughts and our minds and our and our problems and our challenges and our requests. What does Satan do with all of that? Hey, listen, eat the fruit. Come on, come on, eat the fruit. Spill the wine, take that girl. I went and saw Eric Burden once. He sang that song three times. You <laughs> know, in one show. All right, let's do it again. Spill the wine, take that girl. Okay, got it, Eric. That's, that's really, it was better the second time and the first time was the best. And the third time, it was weird, dude. It was weird. Young people, being crushed for speaking their minds is our opportunity to say, which side do you stand with the side that is doing the crushing or the side that is saying, Hey, we don't agree with you, but man, come and speak with us. And it opens the doorway. This is the fantastic part of human psychology. When they realize that they've been conned, this is such a potent moment. Hey, we do have this subscription service that we're going to launch. The rule is it has to provide lots of extra value or I'm not launching it. So we're doing a survey. And if you want to have your input on what this subscription service should be, you need to be on our email. I hate that email list. You need to give us permission to communicate with you. The easiest way to do that is just communicate with us. Go to the ToddHermanshow.com, send us an email, or just give us your data if you don't want us to send us an email. We're not going to sell it. We're not going to rent it. We don't spam. I can't stand spam. One day I'll tell a story about it. I made it. I caused a spammer in, uh, gosh, 19, um, 19, what would it be? 1999 uh, uh, or 80 to send me uh, 1500 bucks once. I did. I caused a spammer to have to do that. I said, spent some time, but man, it proved the point. So we're not going to spam you because I can't stand spam. But when you go to the Todd you either email us or just sign up with your email address. You'll be involved in that so you're not left out because we want your opinion because the subscription service needs to serve you. So these young people are are just a group of many who are experiencing what it's like to have the party put their boot on your opinion. And this is the biggest, most potent moment. I mean, just take this to a level of interpersonal relationship. Let's say that, that you go to your job and, you know, you, you walk in, you, you feel like a really deeply valued employee. You've been there five years, employee of the year, multiple times. And let's say that you happen across in a completely honest way. You get to see the paycheck of the new guy or the new lady, and they're not as good as you and they're slow and you have to cover for them a lot. And you go in and you see their paycheck and you realize that they're earning three times what you are. Boom. You're going to go have a talk with the boss and say, "Hey, look, it's not my fault. She left her paycheck on the desk." Are you kidding me right now? Or he did, or he told me. And they're going to say, "We can't discuss HR things." No, I saw the check. He told me. He showed it to me. I know what he's earning. This this can't this can't work. Well, that's the way it's going to work. Well, you know what? Your job satisfaction's gone. You're to start looking elsewhere and you probably should because you have been conned. You have been rolled. Right? Because I, as an honest boss, if I hired a new person and I had to have the person, how do I hire them at more than the existing person if they're new and can't do the job as well? How do you live with yourself? So on an interpersonal basis, when you realize, wait a minute, you conned me in this, what else? This happened in my first job, my first serious job ever. I found out the guy was skimming my paycheck. And the way I found out about it was a guy who'd been there a long time, Wade, showed me he's skimming your check. Here's how he's doing it. He's taking a half hour off your time clock every time. Let me show you the math. When I realized this guy was was stealing from me, I was outraged. And I went to him and talked to him about it and he didn't want to do anything about it. So oh, no, 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 you, you misunderstood. And no, no, I didn't because I worked eight hours, not seven and a half. We'd well, take a break for lunch. No, 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 no. I take a 10 minute break and that's included. And he didn't want to change it. And my assessment of that job radically changed and of that guy radically changed. And I took some steps as a teenager to equal the decks a little bit. I did. And I'm not proud of that because it's not an honest thing. But I paid myself back. Not an honest thing. So I guess he stole, I stole. Now I need to go correct myself for that sin. These young people are seeing. And here comes the opportunity. With the young people having been so abused during this time period, it is up to us to get in front of them to talk about the abuse and let them talk about it. It's up to us to be visibly defending them because there's there's groups of kids who are fighting back, like these University of Chicago kids. If the GOP had half a brain about them, they'd be in front of these University of Chicago kids who are apparently being blocked by Google or their website can't handle that. But that's not what this looks like because they're warning me your connection's not private. They're warning me it's a dangerous site. Danger, danger. Don't go to the dangerous thoughts. If the GOP had half a wit about them, they'd be in front of these kids saying, come and speak at our convention. Come and share what you were going to say. Well, we hate you on LGBT. Okay, fine. Hate us on that, but come and say this. The guy who found the pajamas media, Roger L. Simon. I got to know him a bit. He was on a board of a company I had. We keep in touch a little bit. Roger told me his story. His red pill thing started with the Iraq war. He realized when they were when the, when he was in favor of the Iraq war and when he realized what the party was doing and what the Democrats were doing and what they were lying about, he came back and said, wait, you're, you're willing to lie about this? You're willing to lie about 9-11? He had hated the GOP until that moment. And then he went through an ideological awakening. That was his, his moment. And then he started to see that the lies on the other side and you go through Dave Rubin didn't go through all these recent converts. It starts with this one moment. But that's not what saves us. What saves us is to talk about what else the party has hidden from you. And what they've hidden from you is the knowledge of what's actually in the most important book you will never read unless you read it. It's up to us to go to them and say, do you understand the history that's been stolen from you and not reading the Bible? And this is our opportunity to get to them and just have them read it as history. Now, you can't get the spirit of God from the Bible when you're reading it as history. You have to have an open heart. You have to be open to the spirit. But this is a beginning that we can have with these kids is to go and show them how the bible lines up with history, lines up with archaeology. There's now entire classes of archaeology that are related to biblical knowledge as a way of going back to so, okay, was this accurate? Did this this does this match up? So the historical accounts you can you can share with them of life at that time under governments like this, under rulers like this. Because we don't have to be confused. We can consult the pattern, and the pattern is always the same. When you turn from God, you get kings and figureheads and bosses and tyrants, and God keeps it going until prayer becomes enough, and the prayers are working the scales are being lifted. These young people have had the scales lifted from their eyes to understand, no, you're not free to say the things you want to online. You thought you were because you're, you're, you're college students. You're the best and the brightest, but you're not. Because you live in a controlled media environment. And you've had important knowledge stolen from you. Knowledge of what's in the Bible. The most important knowledge. And that little crack of a doorway to these young people could be the thing that most most importantly saves their souls. Secondly, saves our country, which gives us opportunity to save more souls prior to the ultimate victory. That's where we sit with this, with all of the abuse, with all of the confusion. The party wants people to be confused. The Bible solves confusion. The party wants people to be afraid. The Bible 365 times says, do not be afraid. And then they give you reasons to why not to be afraid. The Bible shows all the things that God is aware of that are going to happen. You can see the dry runs for it now. In my opinion, what we are watching with the party is a dry run for what we're eventually going to see. The Bible provides this clarity. It provides answers in this way that these young people have had stolen from them. And if you just go back to the top of the show. If you just go back, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is free. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Flesh isn't just about sex and lust and greed. It's also about fear and distrust and judging and using our own intellects and our own instincts to conquer things rather than turning to the basic word of God. These young people have had that stolen from them. Those of us who stand on the solid ground of this know how important it is for us. They have no idea because of the thieving that's gone on. The party has taken a long march to erase the institutional knowledge of God's word. We are going to reinstall it by speaking his name four to five times every day. We're going to renormalize the presence of God in American society. One hey, of are the ways that you can help the program grow? And this guy's, I can't tell you. We looked at the data. Um, we had a special data call. I'm trying to think of this. I think it was um, Thursday. Yeah, it was Thursday. We had a special data call where um, Julie and Dave and I sat down and we ran through the data. And A, there's a clear linear growth. It is organic growth, which is super important because organic organic growth sticks. And um and promoted growth, uh, growth does not stick; doesn't always stick. But the growth is going up in a nice arc. It's not a big pop up, which is often the signs of temporary thing. This really began to take off when people started to email their email their friends. The single biggest thing you could do for this program is today. Go to the Todd show.com, get today's podcast. If this is your one that you love or find the one that you love, your favorite of our podcast, send it to 10 of your friends, particularly friends who you know love Rush Limbaugh or are evangelical Christians who are following politics. That's really who we're talking to and who the show appears to, to appeal to. And we'll come, you know, come up with some things later for atheists, et cetera. But sometimes it's just covered by people who listen to Rush. God has, has drawn a lot of people to himself through this program where I'm just, a, I'm a silly clay pot. God does all the work. So if you could do that for us, that would be just huge. And speaking of emails, man, I love, I love people and their love for the word of God. I love it so much. <clears throat> I got a note here from Val. I'll get to this, the, the word of God. And, and she, she challenges me here. First quick one from Myrtle. She writes, if you're going to support Alex Berenson after he lied to Dr. Malone, I'm done listening to you. He's been bought off like the rest of them. Now, I won't believe a word he says. If you bring him on, I'm turning you off. I love your show, but Alex no longer thank you. So, and I replied to Myrtle. Um, I, I so what Alex said about Dr. Malone was mean, it was awful, and it was, in my judgment, inaccurate. He was on TV with Malone and Alex Berenson, for some reason, took the opportunity to attack Robert Malone, pretending Malone is not the inventor of the mRNA carriage system. Dr. Malone is the inventor of the mRNA carriage system. He he wrote the, the primary disclosure. He has nine patents in his name. You can go back to the Wayback Machine and see how he was described before the party took over. What Alex said was disgusting to me. It reeked of protectionism and competition. It reeked of Alex wanted to be the sole guy telling the truth about COVID. I've talked to Alex a couple of times. He's an incredibly smart guy. I wouldn't put him off as an incredibly warm human being. But again, I'm not his friend and he's not mine. So I don't know. Now, one thing I will say is I will not respond to threats in terms of how we do the program. So Myrtle, I love you too. And if sometime I say something that disagrees with you, and, and, and you want to turn the program off, that could be a decision you make. It would make me sad. It will never change how I do the show because I promise you, this isn't my first time riding the rodeo horse of doing stuff like this. And when you start changing what you do because of a listener saying, if you do that again, I'm leaving. You don't then have a program because then you have to do it for everybody. So love you, Myrtle. Thank you for the note. <clears throat> Val. I appreciate what you're doing. Love listening and hearing how you tie scripture into today's events, or more accurately, the other way around. The opening of Friday's show, Murder of a Former American State, however, made me pause. By the way, thank you for mentioning the title of the show. Sometimes when I go back and grab emails, I can't always tell what show people are talking about. So thank you for mentioning that. That made me pause. When you read an email from a listener friend, Brandilyn, What sounded like prophecy from uh, an Amanda Grace, including some very biblical sounding language and dates. I felt you stepped over a line. The Bible is very clear that no one knows exactly um, what's going to happen and definitively no dates. And she quotes some some um, some biblical support of that. The information was interesting, relevant, but also um, also not scriptural in a literal sense and could possibly lead some listeners off track in searching for secret answers in a place or from a source that we would think we should not be relying on or rather, we should be relying on scripture itself. I was disappointed because I wholeheartedly recommend your podcast to some of my weaker believing church family members. When you talked about being addicted to politics, I agreed and thought that the Lord might be using you to help those who are caught up in that tendency. But this kind of red flag revelation 20, 2018 warns us to adding to scripture. I hope you'll take this in the spirit I'm sending it because I believe in what you're doing. This is the second time I've emailed you, which is something I've never done. I'm praying for your show, for you and your staff. What a beautiful note. This is a sister holding a brother to account that she sees it. I love this note. And no, I'm not the least bit offended. And yes, I took it in the spirit that you meant it. And incidentally, Val, while you were listening to the show, remember, that text came in from Brandolin at that moment. The reason I read that text from Brandolin at that moment was because I was just mentioning something Brandolin had said. I was recording at the time mentioning Brandolin's belief that we're going to see a revival in America and a jubilee within the church, God's church, Christ's church, Christ's body. Her belief in that. And she and I are in a Bible group together, and she has profoundly deep biblical knowledge. She's been profoundly touched by the Spirit and healing. Remarkable woman. Now, I, I read that straight off the text because my point about that was not that I gave deep thought to what Brandon was sending at that moment, and I will talk to her about these things. My point was how incredible that when I mentioned her and her view on this program, recording it, that second that I began to mention it, Brandolin texted me the second that happened. Now, that's what caused me to read the entire thing because I found it so profound. But certainly, like you, I do not want to fall into the trap of falling into extra scriptural stuff. So I do appreciate your note of caution. Because it's the extra scriptural stuff that I think people can get just completely off track on. And this is why on a personal note, I will continue to insist. And in fact, ask you formally, I will ask people formally, please, I beg you, please don't email me and tell me I'm a prophet. I'm begging you to not do that. And I'll tell you why is because my understanding of prophets is they're never wrong. I'm wrong sometimes. The other is that the early prophets were also enforcers of the law. And they knew it by heart. And I don't. And my biggest deficit is not knowing it by heart. Because the absence of scripture in my mind and in my development and in the things through which we've walked has meant for me some, some events that wouldn't have happened if I had had these things living in my mind. And I regret that they weren't there. One of the most profound I think that has limited my growth is this. It is recognizing the nature of Jesus, the core nature. Now, God, fully God, fully human, got that. Part of the triune God, got that. I can't tell you how much time I've spent in self satisfaction. Now, I don't believe I ever operated in immense pride. But I've told plenty of stories about how I whipped this together or that together. And I did this or I did that. And you know what used to just absolutely thrill me? Was when I would hear my little, my little girl say it. when I hear my little girl say, oh, my dad, my dad used to work at Microsoft and my dad worked in Hollywood and and my dad, he helped put Arrested Development back on TV and and my dad got to meet the guys who wrote that show and my dad got to be at a John Mellencamp concert a private concert and oh, and my dad and and, and I, gosh, you guys, I would sit and I would listen to that and it just made me feel so incredibly good and like, oh, my little girl just so admires me and then number one, it put her in the position of saying, but what about me? What have I done? Number two, my father in heaven who gave it all to me. How he must have felt ignored and how he must have said, you're going to let her sit there and believe you did this all. Wow, that's hurtful. I do believe God can be hurt because I believe he designed himself to have a heart. If he designed himself at all, such a mystery always will be, always was, never will be without Alpha and the Omega. If I had had in my mind this from John 7, 16 16 and 17, Jesus, Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Jesus made very clear, the son can do nothing without the father. The son watches what the father does and does the same, to paraphrase. Fully God, fully man, our savior, with the humility to say, it's not me. Not my power. It's my father in heaven. So yeah. Having scripture in your mind and remaining within the scripture, I think it's super important. And I believe it would have made me, well, a far better dad. This is the Todd Herman Show. Thank you so much for supporting it, sharing it with friends via email. Makes all the difference in the world. Now, please do go be well, be strong, be kind, and as always, please do be right with God. Why are so few singers protesting Hamas? Five for Fighting's John Andrassic has an answer. Talk to some managers and folks, and, and I have, and, you know, there's certain iconic artists that in other times would be writing these songs. I'm like, where are they? And they say, well, you know, they're scared. They're scared for their families. They're scared that their concerts will be protested. But those are the same arguments people used in 1938. Hear more on the Hollywood and Toto podcast, the right take on entertainment. Find it on iTunes or your favorite audio platform.